Hello, everybody. Welcome back to Supreme Comics, the podcast with me, your host, Maximilian. Um, I apologize for it being kind of a long time. Um, I've just been busy with things, you know, uh, other stuff like school and, you know, all that crap. But um, I am back, and I am ready to post this episode once again. Um, first, I just want to say Merry Christmas, Happy Hanukkah, Happy Holidays to all you. I know I'm going to be celebrating Hanukkah with my family this week, or ne- this weekend and next week. But um, uh, if you guys celebrate Christmas, I'm probably not going to get another episode out until Christmas or until after Christmas. Um, if I don't, if I do, then that's lucky. Um, but if I don't, then I apologize for i apologize for that but um it is the one year anniversary since spider-man no way home came out thought i should thought i should mention that um spider-man no way home came out exactly one year ago and i'm probably gonna watch it tonight because around this time last year like i think exactly a year ago maybe today or in a few days it was when i watched it last so i am going so um yeah, I'm probably going to watch it tonight or sometime later. But um, anyway, this episode is not about Spider-Man The Way Home. This episode is about the 10-year anniversary of Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. Now, I know I'm like a couple months late to this, uh, t- to this but um, I just had to do something because Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles 2012 literally shaped my childhood. As you know, um, I made a few episodes back on them around two years ago. Um, you're not allowed to watch those, or listen to those, by the way. Um, those were back when my voice was sounding like a two-year-old, so you are no longer allowed to watch those, ep- listen to those episodes. But you can listen to this one. It is a 10-year anniversary of this show. Um, and this show quite literally shaped my childhood, so it's going to be great to talk about it um, today. So I thought, what better way than to talk about the best scenes um, and best moments in the show. Um, um, moments that really cut deep and moments that were just borderline happy and also maybe some of the best characters. Um, so right off the bat, I do want to give a quick mention about the show. So I'm sure you all know what Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles is. We got Leonardo, Donatello, Raphael, Michelangelo. Now, it's kind of crazy to me that this show um, lasted um, or not lasted, but that this show has been around for 10 years. It got canceled around a few months ago, or not a few months ago, a couple few to a few years ago. Um, and that hurts because that show was borderline amazing. I loved it. Um, I nonstop watched it as a kid, as a child. It was the great, it, it shaped my childhood. I'm going to say that a lot. It, I wouldn't be the same uh, if it wasn't, wasn't for that show. Um, so the main thing about the show was I always loved Mikey the best. He was always my favorite turtle, but my favorite character was always Shredder. Shredder was always my favorite character, right? He was just so cool. Shredder, um, his claws, everything about him was just the coolest thing of all time. I also loved Casey. The thing was Casey came up as kind of an asshole in the beginning of the show, but then he kind of grown into this fun loving character now 
I'm going to rank the seasons of the show, like my least favorite to favorite season. So right off the bat, I got to get my least favorite season five. All right. Um, it, it wasn't bad. Nothing about the show was bad, but it wasn't necessarily good either. Um, the thing about season five was, I mean, the beginning, the beginning was cool with um this like rise at raising shredder and like this demon from the underworld thing. That was pretty cool. But, um, they got transported into another dimension. Like, okay, that was pretty cool with, like, that rabbit dude. I forget her name. It's not that I forget it. It's that I don't know how to pronounce it. It's some ancient, old-timey Japanese name that I don't do not know how to pronounce. Um, and I'm not even gonna try to. And, like, it was actually pretty cool. And then they started doing, like, that Halloween thing where they fought Dracula and Savanti Romero was back. And I'm like, eh, this is... Eh, this is okay. But then then they brought Apocalypse, a mutant apocalypse. I hated Mutant Apocalypse. Basically what Mutant Apocalypse was, it was a three-part series called Raphael Mutant Apocalypse. And what happened in it was they all kind of just became this weird thing. I don't even know how to how to like describe it to you. It was so bad. It's like Okay, I don't know how to describe this, so I'm going to try to describe it the best way I can. Um, Mutant Apocalypse was when, um, basically, Raphael Mutant Apocalypse was when um, a mutagen bomb went off, right? I think it was in, it was in, like, an alternate reality. Um, it's meant to be the final of this tales of the tmnt which is literally just season five it was meant to be like the final when there was like seven other episodes after it that really did were the finale but this is like not even canon tmnt it's like in an alternate reality um basically what happens is a massive mutagen bomb detonates in new york all humans are mutated um and die only mutants remain um the world is stripped for life of life and um there is nothing it the world is a wasteland it is literally a wasteland um when we watch the episode in that context after getting to know these characters for many years it's really sad after you know what everything about the characters it's awful um the story of the turtles not as teenagers but as adults in an impossible reality the episode starts with Raphael and Donatello, um, the only two survivors at, of the characters we've grown to love over the course of the series. Raphael is old and weathered, um, a long beard demanding his face. He's scarred um, and wary of the life he is forced to live. Donatello, on the other hand, is a cyborg. He's a robot. His body was destroyed by the Munich bomb, but much like uh, his IEDW counterpart, um, his mind was downloaded into the body of Metalhead. So basically, Donatello's mind was in Metalhead's body. Um, it looks like in many f f uh, futures, Donnie is destined to become the one with technology he loves so much. Um, it's not long before we meet our primary antagonist of the tale, um, Ven Veminor Rex. He is the leader of a gang... Uh, of mutated honey badgers for some reason they couldn't think of a better animal uh, bandits who steal from other survivors the target raf and donnie for their vehicle and supplies um but they are much 
they're on a much greater mission. They need to track down a girl with a map. Um, Donnie Braff eventually fight them off, uh, blowing up a cliff face to create a separation between them and their foes. Stop at an abandoned rest area to look for supplies. But Raph is ambushed by none other than the girl Rex was tracking. Her name is Mira. She's a meerkat, so of course it is. And the map is actually a tattoo on her arm. Her whole village tattooed on the map. So not as loose it, so as not to lose it because it supposedly leads to Oasis. Unfortunately, Mira is the only survivor of her village. Um, while initially tries to steal our duo's van... Um, she eventually falls in with the team. That happen, uh, That will happen after several attacks by Rex and his crew. From here on out, the road trip becomes a mission to find those who can help Mira, Mira I keep saying Mira, make sense of her, the map. Um, it's encoded and everyone calls gibberish. That eventually lead them to Oasis. The team faces new threats as Rex teams up with a clan of mutated lizard people and reunite with old family. Um... Mira Mira seeks an old wise man um, who her village called the Holy Chalupa. Um, this, of course, turns out to be Mikey, um, who because Mikey, if you don't know, would say Holy Chalupa sometime, a lot in the show. That was one of his biggest catchphrases. Um, he's been holded up in a Mexican-slash-Italian pizzeria with Ice Cream Kitty and Chompy. Um, he is a little crazy, having only Kitty, Chompy, and some robotic restaurant mascots to talk to. Um, he's been, he has also been subs, subsisting off of canned pizzas and insects for years. Um, Vermin Rex, however, is backed by Maximus Kong, warrior and chief of the wasteland, among many other titles listed in Mira, um, and which is obviously nod to a Game of Thrones. Um, Kong is a massive mutant and his head, uh, head concealed by a metal helmet. He drives into an impossible large vehicle, um, created by a giant creepy skull. And command set uh, Senate oil mutants have their own cute miniature wasteland armor. Um, he wants Mira and her map because the Oasis is the only land he hasn't conquered, and he's been searching for it for years. This, of course, turns out to be Leo. So Leo is Maximus Kong, um, revealed in a fight with Raph, Raphael. Leo is in a constant state of rage caused by the second mutation in the center of the mutagen bomb. Leo nearly kills Raph but stops when Raph refuses to defend himself and tells Leo that he loves him. The remainder of the family, uh, the remainder of his family, combined with a massive crash of impossibly large vehicle into his side of the mountain, finally snaps Leo out of his rage. Memory starts flowing back, flooding back to him as we finally see what happened so many years ago. Leo saved his brothers from the epicenter of the mutagen bomb. But he was stuck in the middle of the blast. Yeah, I know. Um, as stated at the beginning, it's really hard to put a rating on this episode. Um, Raphael Mutant Apocalypse is an obvious set up, send up to Mad Max and even borrows plot points from Furry Road. The creative team always has done a great job with their tributes, and this episode is no exception. The style is spot on, even the camera work is um, reminiscent of George Miller. Um, honestly, I really don't like this episode. Um, it was pretty obvious, though, that Raph and Donnie would be, re um, returning with Michelangelo. Would anyone believe Leo was being called Holy Chalupa? I mean, for real? Um, that being said, the conclusion did seem to come out of nowhere after Leo finally, um, rested in his senses, though, 
there's our quiet hideout, and suddenly we're an oasis. Um, yeah, I know it's 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 not that it's not really that good. Um, I don't really like it, but I don't. You may you may. I don't really like Mutant Apocalypse. Um, I I watched it a couple of times, and it never really caught my attention as something amazing. It was my least favorite part of the show, definitely. Um, but there were some plot holes in it. Like, you may be thinking, like, where is... Uh, what about, like, since there's no humans, but, like, what about April? And What about April? She was a half-mutant. What about Karai? She was a half-mutant. What happened to Splinter? What about Casey? And if you're wondering about Casey... That is where this comes in. So, additionally, the whole episode is just bittersweet. The episode was initially planned as a series finale, um, but it wasn't. But can you imagine this being the last episode you saw of TMNT, where after all the trials and, tribu- um, and tribulations, the victor- victories and losses, the growth of each character, and the death of Splinter, uh, in the it all ends with pretty much everyone dead. There's no mention of April, Karai, Shinigami, the Mutanimals, or Renette. Casey's lone appearance is his skull used as a bomb to self-destruct the turtle ban- uh, van. So, that's not, that's not like a joke. They used the only thing that we see of Casey um, is that his skull we see like a hockey mask with a skull and a bandana around the skull and it's used as a bomb. And like, you can tell with the bandana that's like black and white and the hockey mask, that's Casey. But can you imagine like in this entire thing, there's no mention of April Raph. I mean, not April of April Karai Shinigami, the Mutanimals or anything. The only thing we see of April is her star on Donnie's armor. And we see Mikey wearing Shinigami's hat. Uh, that's pretty much all we see of everybody. Um, I think Leo has, like, Karai's sword. But other than that, there's no mention of any of these characters. Um, so that really, that's not really what I liked. Um, I did not like Apocalypse, uh, Mutant Apocalypse because, I mean, it's just, it's just like boring i mean it's boring a way to end a show it's just not necessarily boring boring was in the right words but um it's more of just like annoying like why would you end the show like this they didn't end the show like this but this is initially why i did not like season five of tmnt um so basically my order for greatest seasons kind of goes in the order i know i went off of a tangent talking about mutant apocalypse but i just wanted to get it out there what it was i still don't know really anything about it but um i I do want to uh so yeah that's season five my fourth coming in fourth place has to be season four actually season four was like it started out with them in space and then you know we um get introduced to um the salamand the salamandrians uh lord drags there which is pretty cool uh captain mozar you know um who else armagon uh it's just that there's a ton of like crazy characters that we see in outer space because you know it starts out with them in space and initially when i was like 10 i hated that 
I hated the turtles in space, but then I watched more of the episodes. I'm like, okay, this is actually pretty cool. We see the fugitoid, all those guys. Um, and then they defeat the Triceratons and they and they um and they end up winning in the end. And then we see um then we see uh Shinigami gets introduced in season four at in City at War, and then she's a big part for the rest of the show. Uh, and what else happens? Oh yeah, season four is when Splinter dies. It's like I mean I know he's died like twice in the show, but this is when he like actually dies. No resurrections, no anything. Splinter actually dies, which is a very painful scene to watch because it shows them all reminiscing with Splinter, um, which is actually pretty sad to see. But um, anyway, now on to. Coming in third place, we have season one. Uh, season one, I season one was amazing. It was the first season of the show, but they kind of like it, it's like watching a show after you finish it, and then watching those like the past episode, like rewatching the past episodes, and being like, since they don't know something in the show, when you do know that something, it's really annoying for you being like, oh my god, it's this when you can't actually say anything because in the show they don't know yet. So it's like that kind of thing. Like they don't know, they didn't know what the Krang was. They're just getting introduced to the Krang when they first saw the Shredder. Season one had some memorable episodes, but there was no Casey, which kind of ruined it. And also the fact that there was um, just like it was the entire like building block of the show. Each episode was a building block to the rest of the show, which kind of made it a bit boring because there was nothing really significant that happened in season one besides being introduced to the Turtles. Um, now in second place, we gotta go with season two. Season two was really cool, with the last episode being the invasion, where they lost and had to flee the city. That reminds me of something. Um, season- Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles is one of the only shows and movies- One of the, like, the only shows or movies ever where the bad guys have won. And they didn't just, like, win once. The bad guys have won twice in the finale of Season 2 and the finale of Season 3. I mean, granted, later on in the show, um, the good guys won again. The Turtles won again. Um, The Turtles did end up winning in the end. But it's just kind of crazy because, like, the first time it's, like, Season 2 and Season 3, the bad guys won. Like, in Season 3, the finale of Season 3, Earth got destroyed. Earth literally got sucked up by a black hole. Like, that's that screams losing in my face. The only way they were able to actually win is by going back in time. If they didn't do that, they would have died. They would have just been destroyed. It's crazy. Um, and, yeah, so Season 2 had a lot of cool things that happened to it. In it like, the invasion, Karai's mutation, Baxter Stockman's mutation... Uh, a lot of mutations. Uh, Dog Pound turning into Razar mutation. We get introduced to Ivan Stranko and Anton Zek. There's a lot of significant things that happen. Oh, yeah, the Munigen spill, which affects the entire TV show. There's a lot of things that happens that happened in season two, which made this what were significant. But overall, it was a great season with how they ended it and how it started too. Um, my favorite season is obviously season three. Um. The farmhouse episodes, for some reason, I just loved. The farmhouse episodes were amazing because it really showed them how much they lost 
and how much they were grieving and how badly Leo was hurt. Because in the end of season two, Leo got hurt. He was in a coma for months, um, which really showed what happened, which made it like a great episode, which made it just a great season in the farmhouse. And the Dream Beavers were so cool. Um, like the, the Dream Beavers and how they were kind of like a, a Nightmare on Elm Street type thing. I'll talk more about the Dream Beavers in another episode. Um, but those things were so cool. Um, and you know, yeah, season three, we had the farmhouse, uh, Casey Jones fights the underworld, the brain worm thing that affected the entire season, Karai getting brainwashed, the fucking end of the world. Season three had so much great stuff in it. It made it the greatest season of all time. All right. Return the return to New York episode was amazing. Vision quest when they fought in the spirit realm was awesome. I loved season. I loved season three. Um, and then before I get into anything else about the show, I want to give a quick shout out to Radio Shack on YouTube. I know he does not watch, listen to this show, but if somehow he does, um, I gotta, I want to give a shout out to you, man. Um, you, uh, I've been watching you for a little bit. I've seen some of your videos. I comment, you responded to my comment actually, um, a few weeks ago. Um, want to give a shout out to you. You're a great guy. Um, but yeah, anyway, shout out to him. Anyway, let's get back into this. So yeah, that was my ranked seasons of TMNT 2012. Um, that is, no, pro- let's talk about some of the most significant scenes. So obviously the most significant scenes were in season two final episode. Um, the invasion, when it really shows how they lost um, and all of that stuff. But um, that was probably one of the most significant scenes. The most significant scene in the show was definitely in season three finale when the world got destroyed and sucked up by the black hole. That was the most significant scene probably in the entire TV show. But um, anyway, I'm going to have to cut this episode off short. Um, not really short. It's 22, 20 minutes. But um, I will. But yeah, I'm going to make some more episodes on TMNT in the near future or in the future. So um, yeah, look out for those. Um, once again, shout out to Radio Shack. Uh, Bye, guys. Um, And remember, Tim and T is great. You should go watch it. Um, Happy anniversary.